Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the Week of Wrestling podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Chambliss, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Nico Swallow Regoli. How you doing, brother? Yeah. Some of the words, uh, I, see, I see you're stumbling a little bit. Um, it's been an interesting day. Saw Venom. Um, it'll do great when it goes to FX uh, on Friday nights. Uh, but it, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's got a nice charm to it that you will enjoy if you like subpar movies. I'm definitely going to see Venom. I haven't heard great things about it, but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about everything in pro wrestling and what a week it is with tomorrow being the Super Showdown. Why don't we kick off with our Super Showdown predictions? Now, for you know our new listeners and people who don't know, I am the current and will be forever predictions champion. Can Nico take the belt for me? That won't happen. So start with your picks. Uh, okay, okay. Actually, so. let's go match for match and just give our – uh, prediction. Uh, Let's start with the Shield versus Braun Strowman, uh, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. So I feel like with that match, there there is going to be dissension between one of those factions, and they wouldn't be teasing the stuff with Dean Ambrose if the dissension wasn't going to come from the Shield. So I think this is the perfect opportunity for the Dogs of War. Strowman, Ziggler, and McIntyre to get some momentum as a group under their belt. Um, it, it, like Obviously, this show is somewhat more canon than the Greatest Royal Rumble, but how canon it is is still up for debate. Uh, but I feel like if there were ever a, a, an event in a match where you would give the Dogs of War the win over the Shield, this is the place. And also because with Baron Corbin not letting... Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins defend their singles titles. Uh, it's not going to hurt them individually. Okay, I'm going complete opposite. I'm going the Shield to win. I just think because the Dogs of War, if you let Dolph take the pinfall, you're not really hurting Strowman or McIntyre in that case either. But I think with the Shield having, you know, both of the major titles, and with Dean working his way up to getting a title shot. They wouldn't want to waste that heel turn of Dean so fast. On Monday Night Raw, they planted the seeds, and now to do it Saturday night at the Super Showdown wouldn't make any sense. It would be way too fast. They want to let this kind of build and build and build and build until finally it hits and you have a rivalry you know, between the Shield again. But the Shield, again, just got back together. They want to make money off of these guys. And the way to do that is you let them win in Australia, and then you can build up the Dogs of War later on. When the you know when the the breakup does happen, maybe Dean does join the Dogs of War, and you have a, a four person stable of four hungry top competitors. So I'm going the Shield. All right, right from the get go, we differ on something, which is very different from how things usually go with us. Yep. We usually pick the same shit over and over and over again, and then we have like maybe one or two matches that differ. That uh, so moving on to the WWE Championship match. No disqualifications, no countouts. There must be a winner. Samoa Joe taking on champion AJ Styles. I'll start with this one. I'm going Samoa Joe. And the reason is because Joe has played such a great heel that it would be kind of refreshing to have this kind of narcissist, 
like full himself heel that Joe can be with the title and and have AJ as the ultimate good guy chasing the belt again. That would lead to more rematches, more more type of grudge matches you can do, which Joe has made this really personal rivalry. So I'm going Samoa Joe becomes new WWE champion. Nico? So where I'm struggling with this is they've had a few matches already between these two. And both times they ended in controversy. Uh, so for this match in particular, Paige has built it as no disqualifications, no counts. There must be a winner. So in my mind, this is the closer to the feud, at least for a few months. Um, so with that in mind, I feel like, especially with everything Joe has done on SmackDown, invading AJ's house, harassing his family on so many it's levels. It's all been brilliant, by the way. It has. It has. But I feel like it would be weird if AJ did not come out on the winning end after all of this. And granted, he did come out on the winning end in the last match they had, but there was still controversy. So I feel like this is where AJ gets the decisive win. Joe, the United States title picture could use some new blood. And I feel oh like, Joe, and I feel like Joe would be a more effective champion than Shinsuke Nakamura has been. Uh, so, uh, so uh, like it, it may not be uh, it, it, Joe with a title is money doesn't have to be this title. It can be any title. Uh, so I'm going to say AJ Styles wins this, and then we get some fr uh, and then we get to see where things go with the title picture in terms of Miz or Daniel Bryan. Which we'll get to in a second. And I don't want Joe to be in, be the U.S. title picture because that's that to me it seems like a downgrade. You're demoting Joe. And with the great heel work that Samojo has been doing, that that would be such a waste. It may be a it may seem like a downgrade at this point in time because of where the U.S. Championship is on the card. Like well, obviously, it, it hasn't been hard. It, ha it it exactly like no one knows what's become of it. Um, but that said, champions can make the title as much as the title can make the champion. And I feel like Joe, he is the type of champion that makes the title. Uh, it, so he doesn't need the title. The title needs him and, uh, he could elevate the U S title back to the prominence that it was, that it was at before, um, th this past year when it kind of went all kablooey. The only thing is we thought that Nakamura would be able to have that U S resurgence with his heel turn that did not work out because Nakamura is nowhere to be found. It's, it's not the champion who makes the title it's the company that makes the champion who makes the title if the but they, but they the obviously company, have if they the company, have i'm sorry i'm sorry but they all they obviously have stuff that they can do with joe they know what they're doing with joe the same can't exactly be said for nakamura so that's why i have confidence that if they put the title on joe joe could make that title whereas with shinsuke the, the company is not entirely sure what they're doing with him, and therefore the title is suffering as, as a casualty. What would you do with Joe afterwards, though? The U.S. title pitcher, you're going to get him and Nakamura, and then that might be a few, but it's two heels going at it. You don't really have a top contender who's worthy enough to go up against Joe on a mid- to lower-card title. That's where I'm at. It's 
if the company doesn't respect the U.S. title, it's not going to respect its champion. You make a fair point there, but we've seen crazier things. All right, so let's move on to Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins taking on the Riot Squad, who I'm not sure if has Liv Morgan been confirmed for. She is cleared. She is cleared. She's cleared. Okay. Um, who do you have? Uh, I have Rousey and the Bellas. I um, I feel like they're obviously setting up for Evolution, and you know th- this will be interesting because I believe this is Ronda Rousey's first appearance in Australia since Holly Holm knocked her unconscious and stole her UFC Women's Bantamweight Championship. That's right. That was in Australia, wasn't it? So this would be a good chance to redeem herself in front of that record-setting crowd, uh, and obviously get some more momentum going into evolution where we all assume she will be defending as the raw women's champion. Um, if Nikki Bella is her opponent, then this also benefit, uh, this also benefits her, um, because it gives her some momentum as well. Brie, her being besides these two, um, it, it'll give her a little bit of positive vibes because of the recent streak of bad luck she's had on TV. Uh, I love you, Bree. I hope you get over this uh, unlucky streak and you start putting in good work in the ring again. But mm-hmm. for n- for now, um, yeah, I-, I see this as the face is going over. Yeah, I agree with you. I have Ronda and Bellows winning, mostly because while I love the Riot Squad, it doesn't seem like the company is fully behind the Riot Squad. It doesn't I- seem like they want to push them where they could be. I think they do it's just there that there aren't enough titles right now for the women in terms of things they can do with them I, like I, I see it if they're going to introduce a women's tag team title i hope they do and and th- and have them float between raw and smackdown i think that's the game plan uh even nxt will also be part of that uh, uh fluctuation between brands yeah. for those titles so th- th- so this could be a good way for the riot squad to get over is if there were a tag team title for them to win. Uh, but yeah, I, I see it as mostly just like, this is where the faces are going to get some momentum and also uh, Liv Morgan. She is cleared, but obviously they're going to want to play it safe with her. So they're yeah. probably going to not, not going to let her do much in the ring. Speaking of Liv, I, from the first moment I saw her in NXT, I always said that she's going to be a future women's champion. I still believe that. She's got the character, the mic skills, and the in-ring ability to do it. It's just a matter of time before she breaks away from the Riot squad. Perhaps, perhaps. I I see Riot and um, Sarah Logan as uh, more breakout stars than she has been. Um, But that's just because they're they're super wild. And uh, I've seen – I feel like I haven't seen as much from Liv yet. That's just me. But uh, but, uh, granted, all three of them. They, they have the potential to be big things in the future. All right, so speaking of Daniel Bryan versus Miz, let's go into that one. So I'll start with this one. I have Daniel Bryan winning. Um, I feel like with Miz winning the last two, you got to let your face get his heat back. And the way to do that is you have Bryan win, go one-on-one with Samoa Joe for the title, and then you have Joe and Brian in the WWE title picture. See, I have 
Brian winning for the same reasons you have. Miz is up in this rivalry by I think like two or three to nothing. Um, and that's what makes me so unsure of my WWE championship pick is because then that would be two faces going at it. But at the same time, we've seen face versus face rivalries where it, it worked perfectly. It was uh, like, these are two guys who have come from ring of honor. Uh, uh, so like they, uh, they could just be like an honor feud right there between the two uh, of like, who is truly better. And also like they were the first uh, match uh, on, uh, they were the first main event on SmackDown after this past year's WrestleMania. Um, so it, it could be like, we never had a clear cut finish to that match because I think it was like Rusev and the Miz uh, uh, interfering uh, with. I thought the it was Nakamura who, who interfered. Oh yeah, yeah, it was Nakamura and and I, it, Nakamura, it Nakamura and Miz and Miz. Uh, for some reason, I thought Rusev was in there too. Um, but yeah, they interfered with the finish, so we never got a clear cut winner in that match. So I, I see Daniel Bryan winning this, and if I'm correct on AJ, then we're gonna get that. Hey, we never finished our beef. Let's do it at Survivor Series. See, I the reason I went with Joe versus Brian is because I feel like you could tell a great heel, like a giant heel bruiser versus this small, lightweight baby face. And again, it's that classic, almost David, David and Goliath story where Brian has to overcome the brute force of Joe, who's more of a maniac now than ever. And you can, and what's cool about this is you can even involve Brie Bell if you wanted to have Joe kind of go after her too. That is, that is, that is good thinking. That is good thinking. I'm just not sure. Like how long can they maintain that? At, how long can they maintain that gimmick with Joe attacking people's families before it gets, I mean, you don't uh, have uh, to do it all the time. Just with this one, if you wanted to involve Brie Bella, you could do that one. And then either have Joe retain the title and then have Brian move on to something else. Maybe him and AJ in a, you know, another match to determine the winner to face Joe. And then you could continue either rivalries that way. It's, it, it's more of the interpersonal storylines, the personal storylines that SmackDown has been doing lately. True, true. I've brought them. I've brought up those personal stories week after week after week. Uh, I'm just like, how similar are some of these stories? And is there? And I'm trying to think. Like, we, we've seen people who have such strong beefs that it goes back to like their their families and their households. It would just be interesting to see like a a, mm -hmm. feud, a feud built on uh, respect and. Or hell, I mean, you don't even have to bring in the family if you don't want to. You could take it back to Ring of Honor. Be like the three times you and me faced, I beat you both. I, I beat you two out of three times, and I'm gonna do it again. You could also say the same with AJ because I'm pretty sure they've wrestled once or twice beforehand. I don't think they have because AJ wasn't in Ring of Honor that long. He was in Ring of Honor. Well, maybe not in Ring of Honor, but I'm pretty sure they've wrestled once on the indie circuit. I'm doing some research real quick. But yeah, we have our picks. You're we're both going with Daniel Bryan. It's just a matter of who who is he going to face for the championship once we get 
past that. Okay. You are correct. They have had one match in Ring of Honor. All right. Um, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, right. Let's let's go with the cruiserweight championship match. That would be the defending champion Cedric Alexander taking on uh, Buddy Murphy, who I believe is from this neck of the woods down under. Yep. So for that reason, I'm going with the hometown guy. I know it's rare for WWE to support the hometown guy in their hometown, but I feel like um, I don't really know what Cedric Alexander has been doing. On 205 Live as of late, I know he just, uh, he's been undefeated for a full year now. Um, but that said, Buddy Murphy, I feel like I've seen him featured more on 205 Live in the bits that I have seen from 205 Live, and he's been killing it. So for him to win the title in his home country, uh, in his home continent, that would be a big deal. So I'm going with Buddy Murphy. That's kind of the reason I'm going for Cedric. It's because WWE is not known for uh, hometown hero moments, if you would say. Um, and plus, as someone who doesn't watch 205 Live, um, I'm just going pretty much on my heart here because I love Cedric Alexander from Ring of Honor to nowadays. Um, his story of being, of being undefeated and defending the title against anybody, I feel like that can go on for a bit longer. And then you give someone who is either either as over as Cedric, like a babyface wise, or someone who is a you know detested heel to take the belt off of him. So I'm going Cedric to win. Okay, so there's another pick that we differ on. Alright, so let's move on to Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. For the SmackDown Women's Championship. I'll start with this one. They better let Becky keep the belt. You know, at first, I, uh, like when we saw the lineup from, uh, what was it? Hell in a Cell to uh, to actually all the way back to SummerSlam and then to Hell in a Cell and then to here and then to Evolution. I was thinking like, if Charlotte kept the title at SummerSlam and Becky somehow won it at Hell in a Cell, then I was thinking like maybe they might trade it back and forth and then Becky finally comes out on top uh, at Evolution. That said, recent uh, rumors say that Vince McMahon is goddamn high on Becky Lynch. Uh, and, As he should be. And like, uh, I can't remember who said it, but someone is hailing her backstage as the female Rowdy Roddy Piper right now in terms of her Ooh. promo work. Uh, like she, yeah. it, she has that much power on the microphone. She has that much power in the ring. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, like she has become the star that every fan on the internet wrestling community knew she could be. So she is keeping this title, and I doubt that she will be dropping the title anytime soon. This is the first very smart move Vince has made in a long time. You, you 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 might not be wrong there. You might not be wrong there. I I, I feel like he's. I feel like some good moves have been made here and there. They've all been on the blue brand. They've all they've yeah. all been made on the blue brand. Probably not. Probably without much input from him compared yeah. to other decisions. Um, I think yeah. Triple H has more control on SmackDown than he does on Raw. Probably, probably. 
Um, but I do want to, uh, going back to her being the female Roddy Piper, I kind of saw her, like her semi-heel turn as more of the female Steve Austin. Like someone who will just come in there, whoop your ass, take the bell, and walk out. Yeah, honestly, both comparisons are worthy mm-hmm. because she she's that she's that much of a star today. It, yeah. it, like that that's the amount of power she has is that she's mm-hmm. able to be in these same conversations as guys like Stone Cold, as guys like the late Rowdy Rowdy Piper, uh, and you, you know she is a force to be reckoned with. And I can't wait to see what they do at Evolution. I can't wait to see her and Charlotte go at it again here at the Super Showdown. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a yeah, fun one. All right, so let's move on to sorry, Elias and um, uh, who is it? Elias and Kevin Owens versus Bobby Lashley and John Cena. Let's be real. It's Cena and Lashley. Cena looks like he just ate uh, a gigantic uh, jar of human growth hormone. And, uh, like, yeah. Like, Cena's been gone for so long. He can only seem to win on these special events internationally now. Like, before the the, um, Greatest Royal Rumble, he hadn't won a single pay-per-view in a long time. Um, Oh, yeah. He won that match, didn't he? Yeah, he he won that match, and it was against Triple H. So, yeah, it was a match he could afford to to win because he yeah, if it was anyone else, he probably would have taken the pinfall. But yeah, Cena's been gone for so long. He yeah, it, it, it'll be good for him to get a win uh, in his comeback. Bobby Lashley, he could use the momentum too. Kevin Owens and Elias, I feel like they're Teflon right now. Anything they do, they'll be fine. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we're we're in agreement then. Yeah, we are. All right, All so right. let's move on to. Um, we have two more. We have three more matches left on this card. Yep. So let's move on to New Day defending the tag team t- titles against the Bar. Let's be real. It's New Day. It's New Day. Uh, like the Bar, uh, they're they're great, but New Day is just where the money is right now. Like they, they are branching out into so many different fields on television. They're doing commentary now. The, the Kofi Kingston is dressing up as a commentator. They uh, Kofi just broke the record uh, for longest individual combined tag team reign in WWE. Uh, so it would be weird for them to drop the title uh, here. I, I feel like they're going to hold those titles at least until maybe after Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I forget... Uh, I think we already had TLC. Um, so we haven't had TLC yet. Didn't they move it to um, earlier in the year, or or did they move it back to December for this year? I think they moved it back to December. Okay, well, if TLC is back in December for this year, then expect those tag team titles to be on the line in a ladder match uh, uh, because that's Ooh. always great. That's not that's not something I've heard. That's just me making an educated guess based on history. Give me one second. I'm looking it up. Um, I think it. I think it might have been canceled. Oh well, then forget I said anything right there. Uh, but yeah, I have New Day I, winning. I think they said. Um, no, never mind. It will be moved back to December due to the cancellation of Class of Champions. Okay, then remember everything I just said. Sorry, uh, I had to read it a, a little bit more to. 
kind of see all of it. But, but yeah, yeah. I, have, I have New Day winning, and I'm assuming you do as well. I do too. You know why? Boo, T worth. Boo, <laughs> T worth. Uh, I love everything they do. I just wish they wouldn't waste so many damn pancakes. Like I hate <laughs> wasting. Wait, wasting food is a gigantic pet peeve of mine. And every time I see pancakes falling on the floor after they've made so many of them, I'm like, you could have given that to a homeless shelter after the show. Damn you. Uh, All right, so let's move on. Who is Oscar and Naomi facing? I forgot. Uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, the Iconics, who are from down under. And that is why I am also going with these two to win because they are locals. You're going for two in a row? You're yes, I'm. I'm going for two uh, uh, hometown favorites in a row. And also because as we were promoting earlier, there could be a women's tag team championship coming up soon. And this would be a team that you would also want to help promote uh, because they, they could definitely be in that picture as well as along with the riot squad, along with the Bellas. Uh, like this is a good time for women's wrestling and, I feel like these two, in terms of tag team, they, they are forces to be reckoned with as well. Okay, so I'm going Oscar and Naomi. <clears throat> they have made Oscar look so bad since she moved up to the main roster. She has looked terrible. They need to do something with Oscar. They need to give her this win in a dominating fashion. So I have Oscar winning. Oscar and Naomi winning. Um, I don't know. I feel like mm. she and Naomi are doing good things on the mix match challenge right now. So they're still getting, um, they're still getting wins under their belt. Whereas I, I mean, people don't. Let's be real. People are not watching the mix match challenge. That said, there's uh, they're still getting wins. Let's uh, just so, be honest, though. So, so I feel like uh, again, if you want the bigger pop, you want to go with the Aussies in Aussie getting wins. But again, this is Vince. Right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe being down under will uh, will affect him in some way. Maybe he'll realize, oh, the world is upside down here. I can do, uh, so maybe I should make right side up decisions, dude. Has Vince ever let anybody from their hometown win? Not for a long time, but I still go back to when Kurt Angle beat Booker T for the WCW title in Pittsburgh, and the crowd went wild. I still go back to when he beat Stone Cold in Pittsburgh for the WWF title. So, uh, uh, so Unless like, it's Kurt Angle. He's the only exception. So, like, there are exceptions to the rule. And we may, we may not have seen them recently, but I feel like... You had to go back, like, 18 years. But I I, I, I I feel like if there were ever a place in time uh, to let a hometown favorite win, it would be right here in Australia letting the Aussies get I, the win. I just don't think the Iconics are – they're not doing anything with them, so it would kind of be useless to let them win here, especially over someone as great as Oscar and Naomi. All right, can we move on to the main event? Yep, the main event. Was this announced as the main event? I'm assuming it is. All right. So we have Undertaker with Kane in his corner taking on Triple H with Shawn Michaels in, their, in his oh corner. Oh, my God. If the rumors are true, please don't make this a tag team match. Not for this event, but probably for Crown Jewel. Oh, my uh, God. 
so, so with the match as is right now, I I'm going to go with the Undertaker. I just feel like Triple H, he'll be back and he can take and, and he'll be back after this match in some capacity in terms of in-ring stuff. So like he can take as many pins as he as he wants these days and it won't affect him. Undertaker, they're trying to rebuild his mystique after um, that <clears throat> loss to Roman Reigns at the WrestleMania from last year. Uh, and they did they started helping restart that build up with uh, the squash match of John Cena. It wasn't last year, it was at 33. I'm getting my years mixed up, but still. Uh, Undertaker, he's been he's been he's gotten momentum. He beat John Cena at Mania this year. He beat uh Rusev in a casket match at the Greatest Royal Rumble. This match has a lot of stakes with it and I feel like this is the official end to the era match that we were promised I hope at, so. at, at WrestleMania 28. So I feel like you got to go with the dead man winning it. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with, with Undertaker as well. Um, I don't know. I still go back to this. I don't know why we're getting this match again. We've already had the end of the era, which was perfect. It was hell in a cell. Triple H Undertaker with Shawn Michaels as guest referee. That was perfect. Why are we doing this shit again? And why involve Mayor Kane? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, can can we get a signature move from Kane called the uh, uh, called the Declaration? The Declaration. Uh, just something government related, so we That's can get a good be, laugh. The name of his chokeslam finisher. The Declaration <laughs> from Hell. The Declaration from Hell. <laughs> Oh my your, god! Your right. your your fate has been signed into law. Uh. All right, so those are our predictions. So to recap, I have the Shield, Samoa Joe, Ronda and Bella's, Dana Bryan, Becky Lynch, Cena, Lashley, New Day, Oscar Naomi, Cedric, and the Undertaker. I have Becky Lynch, Iconics, New Day, Buddy Murphy, AJ Styles, Ronda Rousey, and the Bellas, Dogs of War, Daniel Bryan. Cena and Lashley, Undertaker. So we actually differed on a lot of them. Yeah, and if I end up losing, well, let's just say this is the one predictions match I was super tired on and just come nah, up with nah, at the last minute. Fair and square, bitch. And eh, blah 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 blah. I've I'd beaten I've, I've beaten you for that title twice before. I'll do, I'll do it again. So let's move on to the WWE news. So. We have, let's start with this one. New, uh, more returns have been advised for SmackDown 1000. Let me pull that up real quick, Steve. For those of you who just heard a weird noise, that was my dog. Um, Hi, puppy. <laughs> but yes, I believe that one of the confirmed returns was um, Evolution. Uh, which is weird yeah. because they were kind of a raw faction, uh, but yeah. Batista, but Batista is well known for his SmackDown run. He was one of the guys on SmackDown uh, uh, to sort of take the ball and run with it after the original SmackDown Six kind of went their own ways. All and, right, so uh, I have him up real quick. Oh, so we have Evolution, Michelle McCool, Tori Wilson. 
Teddy Long, Vicky Guerrero, and Rey Mysterio. All of them very prominent names on the blue brand, like Teddy Teddy Long and Vicky Guerrero. Obviously, we know them best from their times as SmackDown general managers. Um, Teddy Long, of course, he was always known for putting people in tag matches or one-on-one or, or, or -on -one matches with The Undertaker uh, because he, he always wanted to give people um, screen time. Uh, uh, like that, that was his thing. He, he was like, if you're on my brand, I'm going to give you a chance here. It might be in a very clunky main event tag match with a million people in the ring at once, but Hey, it, it, you'll, it, you'll get on TV and you'll get your name out there. I heard a joke on a YouTube channel. that were like, WrestleMania 21 had no tag team matches, AKA the worst day in Teddy Long's life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That, that, that is great. I love that so much. Um, uh, okay, so uh, Rey Mysterio, obviously, that is where he got to start in WWE, where mm -hmm. he uh, he won pretty much every, every title there was on that brand. He was the cruiserweight champion. Then he became the tag champions um, with, with Batista, while Batista was the world champion as well. Uh, also with Eddie Guerrero, also I think with Chavo Guerrero. I might be mixing up some history here, but – uh, Rey Mysterio, of course, we remember his world championship reign. Uh, he had two of them, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah. And um, when he, before he had gotten in trouble for uh, some dieting pills, uh, he was the Intercontinental Champion as well. So, yeah, Rey Mysterio has done a lot in terms of SmackDown's history. So have Teddy Long and Vicky Guerrero. Evolution, again, it's weird that all of them are being mentioned when really Batista was the guy who stood out the most on that brand in SmackDown. We all remember a lot of Paul Heyman's jokes from some of our reviews that we've done. Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. So, uh, so like he, that's why the world championship uh, was on raw for the first couple of years of his, of its existence. And um, before Batista won it and then brought it over to SmackDown after that year's draft. Um, they were actually, I think, going to create a title just for JBL. And then when Batista was drafted over to the blue brand, they were like, nope, but you get a shot at the world champion, which, by the way, happens to be this behemoth of a man. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're so, it's going to be a fun show. Yeah, so I also have some of the matches that were that are scheduled to be on SmackDown 1000. So uh, the matches that are listed at the Capital One Arena is um, – AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe and The Miz. And Charlotte Flair, Asuka, and Naomi taking on Becky Lynch, Peyton Royce, and Billy Kay as a double main event. But those may be placeholders because um, the original advertised matches were going to be Styles and Joe, Bryan, Miz, and Hardy versus Orton. Well, if the, if those tag matches you just said are correct, then it feels like Teddy Long is already booking the the <laughs> event, <laughs> which is which is hilarious. Guest booker for the night, Teddy Long. Every single match on SmackDown 1000 is a tag team match. That or a match with the Undertaker. <laughs> Undertakers in every single match, in like singles and teams. That, that's another thing. Like, is Undertaker confirmed for that uh, for that uh, card? Not because, that I've seen yet. Because like, there, there's always something that's been that's bothered me, and that's like when 
when WWE finally went back to um, uh, brand exclusive pay-per-views, uh, Undertaker was in the corner of Team SmackDown for Survivor Series. And then his very next appearance is on Raw, as if we're not giving any shits about continuity whatsoever. I but think Taker is like Cena, where Cena is a free agent. He can go back and forth. Taker can go back and forth. That said, Undertaker's promo on that specific SmackDown before Survivor Series was, SmackDown is my home, and I will always support it. And then he was never seen on SmackDown after that. He it was always just raw appearance after raw appearance. And that's kind of what bothers me. It's like Undertaker's, yeah. Undertaker's career, specifically the latter portion of his career, is very synonymous with SmackDown, with the mm -hmm. blue brand. Uh, and so for him to just uh, be like, I love SmackDown. It's my home, but I'll never see you guys uh, in the blue brand ever again. It, <laughs> it's, it's just really weird to me so i wouldn't be surprised if undertaker is there i'll be more surprised if he's not there yeah i agree so let's move on um the so daniel bryan posts on instagram and twitter a defense of brie bella on the Liv morgan incident let me pull up his exact quote so i actually have not seen or, or at least i have not read his defense of his wife because i'm just like yeah, he's being a good husband. Bree, uh, I feel like Bree's apology to Liv Morgan was enough. Uh, so I'm like, I kind of want to put this to bed, let them all get on with their lives, and uh, move on from there. there. There are more important things to worry about. We know Liv is healthy now. So uh, th this was just a, an accident in the ring that I feel like uh, people are giving Bree too much shit for, and, uh, mm -hmm. and it, it, I'm just happy to move on. So that's so, why I didn't read the the explanation uh, from Daniel Bryan. Yeah, so I have the quote up. It says, I am proud of how strong my wife is, he wrote. After accidentally injuring Liv Morgan last week, the first time Breeze ever hurt, hurt another performer, she's been subject to a constant barrage of social media attacks. Almost every wrestler has accidentally hurt someone, but rarely do you see this kind of hate. He goes on to mention where he accidentally... Um, injured Randy Orton from 2012 and his match against Nigel McGuinness back in 09 in Ring of Honor. In regards to the yes kick, he said he noted that even as as of a few weeks ago, he, there was a miscommunication in a match where he struck C.N. Almas in the head by accident. He goes on to say, despite all of all of that, never did I receive the backlash pre did this week. With all the negative things said about my wife, nobody was harder on her than she was on herself. Thank you to many people who reached out to support her, both publicly and privately. We all wish Liv a speedy recovery. And that's a perfect explanation. Like, mistakes happen. She owned up to it. There's no reason to attack her for it. Like, she's already had uh, uh, enough botches solo in the in the ring since she came back the last thing she needs is people on the internet ragging on her making her feel even worse about herself making her doubt herself even more which could potentially cause more botches because she's afraid to do what she needs to do to get the job done uh, like so just let her live her life let, let her uh, don't rag on her L leave her be she's a human being like the rest of us hunter you and i we get a lot of shit from a lot of people so uh, so like Mistakes are human nature. Oh yeah, like net 
I think people are taking their hate for the Bella Twins. They're letting that affect their judgment. Yes, everyone makes mistakes. And I'll be one to admit, like, I understand that she made mistakes. And, you know, she owned up to it. And I thank her for that. But if you're going to bring back the Bella Twins, you have them come back when they are ready. Because Brie has been gone for a while. I mean, she's had a baby. She is... I don't think she's in that right mindset yet to be, you know, put in a main picture with Ronda Rousey with all the women like that just yet. If you let her start slow with maybe one-on-one matches and work her way back up, maybe then she would be as great as she was back in the day. But, of course, mistakes happen. She owned up to it. That's all that we can hope for. All right, I'm ready to just put that story to bed. Uh, yeah, me too. So, okay, let's get to the last bit of WWE news, which is a bit of a sour note. Um, we don't yeah. have all the information right now, but we will have some more information in the coming days. I and think the Wrestling Observer just uploaded a, a, a news about it. Well, as of the last we heard of this story, uh, it was reported this morning. Uh, we're recording this on Friday, but it, uh, so it this morning we heard that Pete Dunne has suffered some sort of severe injury that will prevent him from defending a title that he holds at a promotion in Canada, and it could. And we also heard that WWE will have an announcement of their own regarding this injury in the coming days. So it's possible that after. 500 plus days as UK champion, um, Pete Dunn and his Pete Dunn's title reign could be coming to a halt as a result of whatever this injury is. We don't know what it is yet. Again, we'll probably hear what it is in the coming days, but for now, there are a lot of questions regarding whether or not Pete Dunn is going to have to vacate his titles, how long he's going to be on the shelf, if at all, and just what uh, yeah we have a lot of questions well the observer says that Pete Dunne is dealing with a foot injury that he um he suffered during his match against Ija Dragunov at Hello Wembley uh show from Progress to Wrestling this past weekend so I didn't see the show you because I couldn't find a, a stream for it. So I don't really know what kind of foot injury was suffered. Uh, I'm just hoping that it gets better and he can get back to work as soon as possible. Because again, Pete Dunn's been putting in some great work these past three years. He uh, and it would be a shame for like his title reign was surpassing Brock Lesnar's Universal reign by uh, by leaps and bounds. Uh, oh, yeah. So for for it to just end on like for for it to just end on a foot injury that that would suck that would, uh, for it would suck for us it would suck more for him uh, it would definitely open up the UK title scene uh, especially with NXT UK debuting very soon uh, but yeah Pete Dunn is money and it, it would be a, it would be a shame if. Uh, he were to just sit on the sidelines for Lord knows how long. Yep. So let's move on to the rest of the world of indie wrestling news. So let's start off with the big one of the night. You see it in the title card right here. 
The man that got ready for God is back. No one forgets his name anymore. Neville is back. But for Dragon Gate in Japan, going by his original name, Hawk. He made his return this past weekend at a house, at a show. Um, and he has joined the Red Faction. So thoughts on all that, Nico? So, for one, I'm not totally familiar with anything going on in Japan outside of New Japan. So whatever they've got going on in Dragon Gates, um, Godspeed to you. I just don't know what you're doing. Um, so maybe I should check you guys out at some point. Uh, in terms of Neville slash Pac coming back, it was interesting because just days before this return, there were, there were reports coming out online of like, uh, Neville has basically dropped off the face of the planet. <laughs> uh, no, nobody had heard from him. He was not taking calls from his manager or anything. Um, not doing anything on Twitter. Just basically he was keeping to himself and not saying a word. And now we apparently know why he wanted this return to be as big as possible. And, um, yeah, so he's back. He's in Japan uh, under his original name. He has a fire under his belly from being on the shelf for as long as he was. And as we've seen with guys like Juice Robinson, Chris Jericho, when you go to Japan, it lights a unique fire under your ass in terms of how you approach your character. You can be more aggressive than you uh, than you might have been before. And let, let's not forget, as a heel Neville was great. Like his promo work, it was like something out of uh, uh, he. He felt like the one supervillain in an Austin Powers movie that you should take seriously. Uh, uh, like if there were ever someone who could destroy the world, this is the guy. Um, like the way he would pause with every sentence, like it, it was dramatic. You could feel it. Uh, the tone of in his voice, where he sounded like he always needed a lozenge, but uh, uh, but uh, like there there was emotion in that voice. Uh, like he knew how to be a heel there. Uh, like uh, because like we we've seen him do his aerial work, but his groundwork is great too. Uh, and that that's something he got to explore a lot in his heel run. Um, so as Pac, we're gonna get to see. All of those aspects that we saw of him in WWE when the cruiserweight division came to be, we're going to see from him tenfold in Japan. Yep. So he had a when he came back, he had a tag team match, faction versus faction. He was teaming up with his red, um, his red faction mate. I just don't remember who was involved, but never won using the red arrow. So red arrow. In the red faction, perfect match. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Um, so this one just got added at um, uh, Death so Dishonor. Yeah, yeah. So at uh, so there was a ten man tag match going on at Death Before Dishonor. It was five members of the Bullet Club taking on five members of Chaos, which is that the New Japan match. faction. It was. It was. And uh, so Nick Aldis, the former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, who lost the title to – Yes, former Magnus. He lost uh, the title to Cody at All In. He was on commentary for this match. He was obviously still very salty about the loss to Cody. And he was like, I want to leave no doubt in our rematch. So at 
NWA 70th anniversary show. Um, it was declared that the rematch will be a two out of three falls match between Cody and Nick Aldis for Cody's NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a very great match that I'm looking forward to. I mean, I love the match at all in, but when you add two out of three falls, it adds another dynamic. You have to go longer. You have to really break down your opponent and get two falls off of them. And the way the first match went, where they brought in Earl Hebner, uh, like not calling up the X, but instead taking the time to go out of the ring and check up on both competitors when they were like injured outside the ring. You, you add two more falls to the rematch and you get to explore uh, some more possibilities of like, will whoever the ref is, will, will that ref do the same thing? Or will there actually be a count out this time around? Will, uh, like, will, will, will the stakes, ma- will certain stakes matter more uh, yeah. this time in the rematch? Okay, so let's move on. Uh, this one I'm really sad about. Uh, so we found out how long Joey Janela will be out. You guys know last week we talked about his well, knee injury. Actually, they don't know because that episode got corrupted and never released. So, huh? Did we? Did we not release? I, I don't think we re- didn't we. Wasn't there an issue with the audio in in for last week, and we never yeah, got to but, upload that episode? <laughs> yeah, but I end up keeping it live, so it's it's going to be a um a live video feed. Oh, okay. Okay. On the channel. So you can go check out that episode on YouTube. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so if you, but if you only follow us on audio, we, uh, we discussed that Joey Janela suffered an injury and it was, he was going to be out for a while. We now know how long he's going to be out for. He jacked up his leg a lot. Oh, he did. And he, he took to Twitter the other day and said, well, I met my surgeon today. It's official. I'll be gone for at least a year, even worse than I thought. Really heartbroken, he wrote. He said, this one, this one was really bad. Surgeon, surgery next week. The voyage has never been easy for me. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. It was announced um, earlier this morning that he would have to vacate his WWN, WWN championship a tournament will be a tournament to become the the new champion will take place on October twenty eighth in Yerbor City, Florida. Uh, do you have any word on who's going to be in that tournament yet, or not yet? They haven't they haven't announced it yet. Uh, well, I'm assuming that the Evolve and Progress champions will probably be a part of it somehow. More than uh, likely. But yeah, this sucks for Joey Janela, especially after getting to compete on such a big stage like All In for him to suffer this injury and now not being able to capitalize on any of that momentum that he gained from All In, instead having to sit out for as long as he has to. Uh, it, it's it's rough. It's rough. And, and like just the laundry list of things that happened to his leg. Uh, it, it, it was legit, like... Five or six leg parts he fucked up. Like, yeah, he'll the uh, rehab is gonna be a bitch for him. Oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, we love you, Joey. We're rooting for you to have a, a as speedy of a recovery as you can. Play it smart, because uh, like me, 
following MMA. I was concerned for George St. Pierre when he had his knee injury. Like it, it originally it was a minor thing and then it turned out to be way more severe and he was out for 18 months. Uh, and he was, and he was smart in his recovery process, but so for it to take 18 months and still, uh, be that long, uh, and that intelligently approached, we're, we're rooting for you. We're rooting for you. Yeah. And this actually re really shows the dangers of such a simple move. I mean, it was just a cross body on the outside. He's probably done it millions of times before. This time he just landed wrong on his knee against psychosis. Oh, and same could be said when we all remember when Seth Rollins tore his knee. He was doing the buckle bomb uh, as he has done no, a million times doing over. A, a sunset flip into well, a bomb and then. Well, you understand what I mean, but yeah, he, he he had done that move a million times before, and it just so happens that he got his footing wrong at, uh, and uh, like he busted his knee. Granted, the fact that Kane is super heavy probably didn't help much, uh, but but still, uh, it just things that you do like clockwork. Uh, one little slip up is all it takes uh, for an injury to happen. Like. I, 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 this stands out to me, uh, but th th one of my substitute teachers in high school, he would, he, uh, would tell, he told a story to me once about a guy he knew who tore his abdomen, just getting out of the bathtub. So like, Ooh. so like weird, thi weird things can happen to the human body when you least expect them to. Yeah. So let's move on to this one is so Fucking weird. And you mentioned this to me this morning. I had to look it up myself. Loki ripped a man's ear off. Yeah, specifically Daga from Lucha Underground. Uh, and listen, we know Loki has a history of being a stiff worker. Uh, I've seen a lot of his matches in TNA and he holds nothing back when it comes to his strikes. Uh, uh, when it comes back to when it goes to his slams, like he throws everything he has, and that's what makes him such. Uh, that that's what makes fans look at him as uh, like, mm -hmm. wow, he's laying into these guys. Um, I never expected him to go full on psychopath though. He went. As, he went full Mike Tyson. Yeah, like he he ripped a man's ear off and and the fact that the fact that we're just talking about this and we're not just like stumbling over our words is impressive i i, I kind of am stumbling over my words because i'm like you, you know it, it, the, the the weird thing for me is the way daga was like uh on uh, the twitter or instagram after twitter. this he he he, he was no, he, instagram he, yeah he, he he was like uh Low-key is so unprofessional. Please put me back in the ring with him. So it makes it look almost like it's a work, but but there's no way. You can't work an injury involving your ear getting ripped off. Like, unless they had someone ready to sew it back on immediately after <laughs> it got ripped off. Like, this, this is some real deal scary shit. And this uh, was out of what? Uh, MLW? Yeah, MLW, where I believe the Lucha Brothers are the tag team champions of that promotion. So mm -hmm. this is this is a promotion where 
things apparently have a reputation of getting brutal. Uh, no, no shit. But yeah, this this is gnarly even for them. I mean, we all remember, and if you don't, rem if you haven't seen it, you've heard stories about how Mick Foley right. lost his lost his ear uh, after he got his head caught in the ring ropes at, at, during a match with Vader in Japan. Um, and you know, uh, again, my MMA background, I've seen plenty of cauliflower ears explode as well. Leslie Smith, uh, her ear. Uh, like just exploded off. Um, yeah. Kimbo Slice, he beat the living snot out of James Thompson's ear um, to the point that it almost fell off too. So like th there have been some nasty scenarios with ears in terms of sports entertainment. Oh, Mike Tyson, you uh, you literally said it uh, too. Mike Tyson bit off a Vander Holyfield's <laughs> ear. So, so like just the fact that we're talking about this in this day and age is, is scary to me. And I don't know what kind of repercussions Loki is going to suffer. I'm assuming he probably won't get booked by anyone for a couple months at least. Oh, and he shouldn't be. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. But yeah, I've about being I, very unprofessional. Like I, I've run out of stuff to say. I. <laughs> yeah, this is just a crazy incident that shouldn't have never happened. And like I don't even know like if if it was like was this a provoked incident like did Daga accidentally hit Loki so too stiff that Loki felt the need to retaliate or was this just some sort of move My got got, got screwed got screwed up uh, because we again uh, Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy a, a big part of their rivalry was just Randy Orton torturing the earlobes of Jeff Hardy. But those ears stayed on. So I'm just wondering, did Loki like try to copy something and it just went <laughs> super bad? Uh, or or was this malicious intent? Yeah, and my question is, are they trying to make this into a storyline? There's a way Daga was on Instagram like right after this match happened. He wasn't in hospital. He was on Instagram telling me I want another match with that psychopath. Well, I we always hear with, with wrestling, uh, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Like, uh, like Rey Mysterio almost. Well, he, he we found out he didn't, but someone died in the ring while Rey Mysterio was performing, and their instinct was still to continue the match until the pinfall. Uh, so, like, so if they're if I doubt this was planned to be a storyline, but I think they might be trying to make it into one now uh, to. Mm -hmm capitalize on the heat that Loki has and it makes Daga look super sympathetic because he just apparently lost his ear to uh, a, a psychopath. Yeah. So let's move on to some ROH news. So we start off with this one. Tanel Dashwood, as you guys know, as Emma in WWE and NXT, she has to under, she came out during one of the, um, for this honor uh, TV tapings in a sling and announced that she will have to be undergoing surgery to re to repair her shoulder injury. Um, so as we know, they kind of covered this up at Death for Dishonor, saying that somebody attacked her backstage. Um, so go ahead, Nico. Uh, yeah, so if you... We're going to talk about Death Before Dishonor a little bit later, but... 
yeah, it, she had a match for the Women of Honor Championship. Her shoulder was heavily taped up. Uh, and not only that, but she was also wearing a T-shirt. Apparently, she has uh, a skin condition, uh, w- uh, which is affecting her immune system. And so she, uh, so she's uh, she can, yeah. It's uh, par- paralysis. No, not paralysis. Paralysis would mean she can't move her body. But I think you mean psoriasis. Uh, yeah, there you go. Psoriasis. Uh, so not super severe, but severe enough that it's affecting her. And the shoulder is obviously not helping her either. Uh, so sh- she does her best to get through the match. And then about an hour passes in the pay-per-view. And we see her acting as if she had been jumped backstage. She uh, And... She comes out a few days later for a TV taping and says, hey, listen, I'm dealing with a skin condition. My shoulder is shit. I need some time away to get everything fixed. Uh, And now she's taking the time to obviously do that. So shoulder is obviously a good start. Uh, As for the psoriasis, I don't know what you can do there. There might be some ointment. that a, a really good dermatologist could prescribe her. Um, but yeah, it, it sucks. It sucks because, you know, she, she's had a, a rocky career these past couple of years. She was set for a big push with the Emelina gimmick. And then she was just like, my heart is not into this. I want to go back. And then when they did go back to what was working, uh, uh, she uh, like WWE had lost interest. She had, she had broken up with Zack Ryder, uh, uh, and uh, so love life wasn't that great either. She moves on to the independent scene, uh, and you know it, it, that's when we we start thinking, oh, things are going her way again. We see her at all in on the commentary desk for, uh, which that was weird because uh, Chelsea Green, who's dating Zack Ryder, ended up doing the Broski boot that that show. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is awkward. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm just like, you do realize, does anyone realize who's in the same yeah, building? As but the also other? on all in, and I know we're kind of going off subject a little bit here, but props to uh, Britt Baker for coming out to um, Adam Cole's old, old uh, RH theme. This is news to me because I don't know what Adam Cole's old ROH theme is, but anyway, so she, uh, Tennille Dashwood was at the commentary desk for, all in, and then she gets called out by the Women of Honor champion, which brings us to Death Before Dishonor, which brings us to the attack afterwards, which brings us to her mm-hmm. her saying, "I need surgery," and now I'm going. Uh, now I'm undergoing surgery. So it, it's just been a rocky couple of years for her, and I'm I wish her well, just as we wish Joey Janela well. Uh, yeah. Like it, it, it sucks when the wrestlers have to take some time off to nurse injuries because this is their livelihood this is what keeps them out of trouble this is what gives them fire under their belly to exceed mm-hmm. in various aspects of life so for for to have to sit out on your dream job it, it's rough it's rough but this could also be a blessing in disguise because we know when people come back from injury they're usually better they're more prepared and they even sometimes have a character change that might work. Like if you turn um, Tanel heel and let her work off of that, that could be done so well. Uh, well, 
granted, wasn't she kind of? I mean, not no. officially, but like, I mean, the current Women of Honor champion. What 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 is her name? I'm forgetting her name. Um, I haven't pulled up. Let me let me look it up. Um, it is uh, Sumi Sakura. Well, Sumi is being billed right now as the ultimate babyface uh, in terms of her title reign. So, in a way, that was just uh, that automatically gives you an excuse to kind of put. But I mean, fans were at fans at Death Force Honor were more over for Tanel, and she was actually playing more of the babyface role. So, it was pretty much two babyfaces going at it. It was more of a respect thing going for the title. Okay. Okay. So basically, what I want to happen with AJ and Daniel Bryan, but um, yep. But yeah, we'll we'll see. Time heals all wounds, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm I'm not focused on her character when she comes back. I'm just focused on how, uh, is she gonna be in the right mindset? Is her body gonna be right? Uh, oh yeah, of course. Here's to a speedy recovery. Yep, of course. So let's move on to some more Ring of Honor news. We have a new television champion, ladies and gentlemen, and his name is Jeff Cobb. You got it right. You got it right. So, yeah, <laughs> this this is uh, piggybacking off of uh, Death Before Dishonor. Uh, Chris Sabin lost his attempt at the ROH television title to Punishment Martinez, and then immediately after that match, Jeff Cobb comes out. He no-sells Punishment chair Martinez's shot. chair shot, just stares at him like, really? Really, bitch? <laughs> Uh, uh, and um, yeah, apparently at the TV tapings, um, Punishment had one more match under his ROH contract. He is a uh, he's I think signed to NXT now because oh, he. Oh wow, really? I I think this was a business move on Punishment's part because he's like I'm getting up there in age, so I might as well head to NXT now while the getting is still good. Um, That's so- awesome. So, yeah, I don't think there's been an official announcement of his signing yet, but who knows? We might see him in the stands at the next takeover yeah. as, they, as, as they normally do. Yeah. Martinez with a suit just in the front row. <laughs> I, I could see that happening. I could see that happening. Oh, last motherfucker just in, a, in like a black and white suit. Anyway, anyway, so Jeff Cobb. Um, I don't know if this particular episode of ROH has aired yet, but – if not, spoiler alert. Uh, but um, so yeah, Jeff Cobb he won the TV title from Punishment Martinez in Martinez's last ROH match, and we saw him sporting that title at a recent New Japan event in uh, Long Island, I believe. Uh, so yeah, he is wearing that title proudly, and you know Jeff Cobb is a beast. So that title is going to be well-suited with him, just as the Lucha Underground title was well-suited with him when he was uh, the Monster Matanza Cueto. Uh, So we we know what Jeff Cobb brings to the table. Now, as for everything else that happened in these TV tapings, I have no idea. So if you could run down the list. I got it. So um, Ring of Honor returned to the uh, Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. For the second straight night, and these are the results from that um, from that card. So we had the Luchasaurus defe- uh, defeats Hyper Stake Gregory Sharp. I have no idea who that is, but Hi- Hi- Hyper Stake. 
Yeah, hyper steak, Gregory Sharp. I don't know. This uh, one's funny. Beer City Bruiser Beach Cheeseburger. Sounds like a tailgate bar fight gone wrong. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. And then uh, after they attacked Jay Lethal at the end of uh, Death for Dishonor, the Kingdom came out. They had an in-ring segment where they forced Bobby Cruz to read a list of Matt Taven's accomplishments and call him the real Ring of Honor world champion. I'm assuming he was sporting that new purple strapped title. That belt looked awesome. It does. It does. I like, I, I like how Matt Taven has basically just taken the ball and run with it this past year. Uh, mm -hmm. Like when, when the kingdom reformed under his leadership, he was just – this is my ticket to stardom right here. I'm going to lead these guys uh, to becoming one of the top stars in the company. And yeah, he, he, he was, uh, he's, he helped make the six man tag championship what it is right now. He uh, held that title simultaneously with uh, one of the, um, uh, I think it was the AAA welterweight belt. Uh, I, I, I might be, uh, or CML, CMLL welterweight title. I think he, yeah. uh, and uh, he would uh, he would come to uh, Ring of Honor house shows on a moment's notice if they needed a replacement. He he wants to be the guy who uh, runs the show, and yeah, the way I see it, he could actually be in prime position to take the title from Jay Lethal with this storyline they're setting up. And they already have the custom belt ready for him. It's just a yep. matter of what happens at the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Alright, so moving on, Kenny King defeats Chase Owens. King faked an injury before pinning Owens with a small package, which is what he did at Death for Dishonor. I wouldn't say he's the one who faked the injury at death before dishonor. Basically, he was like, "I'm gonna be, I'm gonna fake being respectful to Jushin Thunder Liger, let him get up, and then when he sh uh, shakes my hand, I'm gonna cheap shot him," which is what happened yeah. there. So he he's just like, uh, I like how they're setting up the story of ever since that Austin Aries loss, uh, I'm Everybody. not. Gonna I'm not going to play it safe ever again. If an opportunity is there to cheat against a cheater, I'm going to take it. Yep. Then we have Flip Gordon versus Shane Taylor. Holy shit. Um, so Gordon got on the microphone before the match and talked about his feud with Bully Ray. Bully came out and taunted him, which lets you silence Young entering from the crowd and low blowing him. Then Taylor, uh, Bully Ray, and Silas Young beat down Gordon and challenged anyone to come make the save, but no one came out. Uh, is Shane Taylor still using loaded gloves? Because I know they did for a certain rivalry as of recent. They start that um, with um uh what what what's what's um Josh Woods Josh Woods that's who uh for for that rivalry specifically uh they gave Shane Taylor a loaded glove uh I don't because remember. he's like. so I I don't know if he's still using that loaded glove, but I I was just thinking like I should ask. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Um, but Nick Aldis to beat or uh, defeated Christopher Daniels. This match was taped for Honor Club. ROH Tag Team Champions the Briscoes defeated Coast to Coast LSG and Shaheem Ali to retain their titles. Jeff Cobb beat, of course, Punch Martinez to win the ROH TV Championship. 
And then, of course, it says, as noted, Martinez Martinez finished up with ROH last night and will be heading to WWE slash NXT. We already talked about Tanel coming out and discussing her shoulder injury. Marty Scroll defeated Chris Saban. Brandy Rhodes defeated Heather Moreau. Hangman Page defeated Scorpio Sky. And Shane Taylor defeated Eli Eslam. However you say it. Um, is Cody versus Willie Mack on this list at yep. all? Yep, it's coming up. The ROH World Champion Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham defeated Jushin Liger and Kushida. NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Cody Rhodes defeats Willie Mack to retain the title. And then it says at the end, um, of course, it's saying that Cody made his first defense in NWA title since defending or defeating Aldis at All In. And during the show closing promo, Cody teased All In 2 while the crowd was chanting All In. The main event, the Young Bucks defeated Daniels, Kazarian, Beretta, and Chucky e. T. And I'm sorry, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, Beretta and Chucky e. T, and Evil Sonata in a four way tag team match. And of course, the show closed with Cody teasing All In 2. So I. Hope that they promote all in two under the name of Double or Nothing because I feel I feel like that's a much better name for a sequel. Double or nothing. I like that. All right, they, so. they did tease that name too uh, in the uh, in the aftermath of the all of the first All In show. We just never got to see it because they had to go off air for pay per view time constraints. Okay, so let's move on to NJPW because we are. Way over, but what are you going to do? Um, so let's kick off with... Um, go go with number two first. Okay. So we have two big title changes at NJPW. Fighting, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Uh, yeah. Um, there were two big title matches on that card. Uh, one of them was... Uh, we're getting the Bullet Club OGs feuding with the Bullet Club Elite, specifically in this case, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks defending their uh, heavyweight IWGP tag team titles against former champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa. Uh, and um, yeah, the Gorillas of Destiny beat them. The, uh, and I, I like the rivalry there uh, i like the way the rivalry is going with like some of the members of the bullet club are trying to become true heavyweights uh and they're getting criticism from like that was the main plot of uh okada versus skrull was skrull is trying to prove that hey i'm the smaller man but i can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any heavyweight you put up against me and they have the young bucks now trying to cement themselves as true heavyweights in the tag team scene uh, and Unfortunately, just guys who have been heavyweights longer got the jump on them here. But yeah, this keeps moment. This keeps the storyline going between the elite and the OGs alive because I wasn't really sure uh, where it was going. Uh, obviously, the elite were winning all the titles, so it was like, at what point do uh, the girls of destiny start getting some momentum back? Like, I don't. I can't remember. For certain, but I think like uh, Tama Tonga, he got himself like disqualified from the entire G1 climax because yeah. he kept 
yeah, he kept disqualifying himself uh, by beating people up uh, with chairs and uh, yeah, either that tactics. or he would have uh, Tomaroa Tama and uh, Balak Fale come out and um, beat down the opponent. But the moral of the story is Tamatanga did not give any fucks. Uh, and uh, and it was costing him in terms of like actually winning things, so so now he he and his brother are back in the winner's circle. They're back in the title picture. They're they're back with titles around their waists in the form of the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. And speaking of the G one, have you seen uh, that Roman Reigns reference that the Girls of Destiny made at the G1 semifinals? Uh, I am still very much behind on my watching of that. I think I'm at like maybe night seven. Oh, wow. You have a lot to go. Dude, There's I'm a full-time student. There's only so much time in the day. I'm trying to win a title in multiplex entertainment. Uh, so cut yeah. me some slack if I'm not getting all these wrestling. <laughs> Pretty good. much. Um uh Tonga Roa is doing like the intros for Tamatanga and he's like rapping the words together like making them rhyme he goes uh we don't need to cock fist because he'll beat you with a tongue and twist ooh <laughs> ooh good lord all right and the up okay moving on the other title change and there there was some I, there was some interesting bad blood here uh, in terms of the backstory. Uh, and uh, now I don't know if there's actual animosity between these two, but this was a good way to bring uh, in some personal stuff into this match. Um, Cody defeated Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. So first, I just want to state for the record that right now, Cody is a triple champion. He holds mm -hmm. the IWGP US Championship. He holds the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And he's one-third of the Ring of Honor Six-Man Tag Team Championships. Yeah. Uh, so he holds a lot of gold right now. Why they're not promoting the Six-Man Tag Championship along with those other two belts, those two heavyweight belts, I don't know. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like he should promote them. Is Cody um, a heel in NJPW? I believe so. And that doesn't make be sense because he he helped Omega fight off the firing squad at the last US show. Uh having well he, I think Cody is whatever he needs to be, depending on the feud. Like with Nick Aldis, he's been playing the face. Um, in the the rivalry with Chaos, uh, specific, specifically in that uh, ten man tag that we saw at Death Before Dishonor, uh, there's an argument to be made that um, Bullet Club was meant to be the healer of the two factions competing in that match, uh, and then he went right back to focusing on Aldis and he played the face again. And so with Juice Robinson. Here he is back to being a heel. And later on that night in Fighting Spirit Unleashed, he uh, played his cards right, essentially in a, in a heelish type move. So I, I, I'm going to say that Cody is whatever he needs to be. Cody depends Cody. on it. Yes, yes, Cody is just Cody. And that's the beauty of 
him having the the freedom that he does on the independent scene in Ring of Honor in New Japan in NWA is he can be whatever he wants. He can be whatever he needs to be if it calls for it. And so, yeah, in terms of the backstory between this match, uh, Juice Robinson, formerly known as CJ Parker in NXT, he was being hailed as one of Dusty's boys. He, he was being hailed as a, a guy who could go very far in NXT, and he never lived up to that potential. Meanwhile, here you have Cody, who's Dusty's actual son. He, he's feeling like, why are you calling this guy Dusty's boy when I am his legitimate child? Uh, it, it, it feels like an insult to me. So he beats uh, Juice Robinson, who, by the way, had not had a very good G1 climax himself. He, I, did he get any wins at all? He got one. Against who? Um, that's later on. I believe he beat... Well, technically, he got points for the DQ against Tamatanga. He got... I want to say he beat Tomohiro Ishii, but I could be wrong. Well, nevertheless, Juice Robinson did not have a good G1. He, and uh, he, he granted some of those matches, he still had the broken finger. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it, it, things just did not go his way. So in, like, in his quest to redeem himself from such a shitty G1 climax, here comes Cody. And Cody just stops him dead in his tracks, takes that beautiful red Sonya of a title, and now Cody holds all the gold all around. And but his quest is still not done. He wants more gold, which brings us to the other bit of news we have for in, for New Japan, which is uh, at the end of Fighting Spirit Unleashed, after uh, the Golden Lovers had won a tag match in the main event, uh, Kenny Omega says at uh, King of Pro Wrestling, I want to challenge my tag partner, Kota Ibushi, for my IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Out comes Cody, who just a moment ago had won the U.S. title. He's like, hold on a minute, brother. Let's make this a three-way dance, which doesn't happen often in New Japan. They do not have a lot of multi-person singles matches. Uh, So... This is a big deal, I'm, uh, and the the I the main reason I have seen online for why this is a three way is because they want to protect the eventual one on one match between Abushi and Omega. I believe they've only mm-hmm. fought each other twice in like the past five years or so. Three, uh, actually. Okay, so a little bit more than I thought, but still, they have because not. Because one is in the G one. Still, though, they have not faced each other very much mm-hmm. in singles competition because, hey, we're bros. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the fact this is a three-way, it, it's simply meant to make sure that the eventual one-on-one match will still be intact. I, I think it's safe to say Omega will come out on the victorious end of this match. Me, but, hey, but, hey, if it... If uh, stranger things have happened, so who knows? 
Cody could have four belts by the end of uh, this week. <laughs> and and if he does, my, my God, he might as well just like, he's going to send a text message to triple H saying, you know, that photo of you holding every WWE title ever that uh, fans like to Photoshop around. Here's a photo of me actually holding all the gold everywhere where yeah. there is gold to win. He's pretty much turning into Austin Aries, the man who would go into a company win their main belt, and just, like, collect belts. And I, I like that about Cody. Like, he's called his shots, and he's mm -hmm. making the most of the opportunities that he's been given. All right. So, new stories are out of the way. Now let's get to something that we've been talking about throughout the show. Death Before Dishonor was, what was it, this past weekend? Yes, it was. It was this Pat, it was like one week ago from this taping, so it was last Friday. All right, so we're going to go over the card and then just give a quick thoughts about it because we would be here forever if we tried to go into deep detail about all these matches. Yeah, there, there's too much. Uh, I, I don't want to spend more time than we already have unpacking this. Uh, I don't want to do a, a two-and-a-half-hour show again. So, <laughs> All right, so we kick off the night with Jushin Thunder Liger taking on Kenny King. Kenny King ends up winning after is it he goes to uh, shake the hand of Jushin Liger and then um, yeah so Jushin Liger suffers some sort of injury in the match I believe to his back and he uh, he goes for I think a cross body he lands it but he's struggling to uh, take advantage and recover um, Kenny King he's like oh, I feel bad. I'm going to motivate him. Uh, everybody give a hand for Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, he, he helps Liger up and uh, sh shakes his hand. And then when, once, the hands once the hands touch, yanks him in for a spine buster uh, to his already injured back. One, two, three. Kenny King wins. Again, going back to the, um, the storyline that they've been telling since a match with Austin Aries. I don't want to lose again, so it, uh, I'm, I'm going to cheat when I feel is necessary or at least take the cheap tactics if necessary um, and when necessary. And in this case, he felt like there was a reason to go the cheap route. He did so, and it paid off for him. He gets a win. And he even addresses Austin Aries uh, on camera. He's like, Austin Aries, thank you for helping me see the light. And yep. then, Let me then he runs backstage. Let me give a shout out to the announce team for a second because they did an incredible job. Um, why am I forgetting the dude's name? He, he's the current. Um, um, well, I know. Um, is it Tony Shabani? No, that's uh, that, that's WCW. Um, well, one of them is uh, is it Devin or Tevin Coleman? Um, that's one of them. Yeah, let me look it up real quick. I want to give them props. Um. <laughs> but yeah, um, we we can't remember your names, guys. But we do like the work you do. You, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they you look. And go ahead. Go ahead. I I just can't find their names. Ah, well. Um, 
So let's uh, move on to the next match then. So that's the Women of Honor Championship match, correct? Uh, no, it's actually the Tag Team Championship oh, match. That's right. The Briscoes defending the championship against Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels of SoCal Uncensored. Are the Briscoes playing the heels now? Um, I think so. Because the way, the way I interpreted it, Scorpio Sky, his pre-match promo in the ring... He was like, this is the worst town ever. But then he went positive with it. So, like, in All In, they were the heels who get a lot of cheers. But I think since then, something happened that, uh, I, I like, they had an opportunity to chair shot the Motor City Machine Guns, and they went instead with chair shotting the Briscoes. So, like, I think that was their, like, tweener turn, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they, they'll, they'll still insult your hometown, but they'll also say something nice about it at the same time. It's kind of like a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd say that um, the Briscoes are are more the violent heels. Yeah, yeah. And um, this match was all over the place. Mm -hmm. They went like so so many innovative and brilliant tag team maneuvers that I haven't seen before. Uh, I got to see in this match, just phenomenal stuff. Um, in the ring, outside the ring, over the ropes. Uh, in terms of story, things really picked up halfway through the match. Uh, something happened with Kazarian that rendered him injured on the outside. Uh, we even see Scorpio Sky run out to the ring to like comfort him, make sure he's okay and whatnot. So that basically puts the entire burden of carrying the match on Christopher Daniels from there. And he's just taken on a two-on-one assault from both of the Briscoes. And he keeps kicking out after every bit of offense, but eventually it just becomes too much for him. Uh, they get them with they get him with their, uh, their finisher, and one, two, three, Briscoes retain. And, you know, kudos to Christopher Daniels for doing everything he did in that match. I'm not sure if Kazarian was actually injured or not. You might have some more insight into that. But yeah, just like I was genuinely concerned when I saw Kazarian outside the ring, not getting back into the ring. I was genuinely concerned when Scorpio Sky went to comfort him. And Christopher Daniels, the consummate professional, he helped make sure that match got to its conclusion. And well done. I think that was just part of the storyline. I don't think... Uh, Frankie got injured at all. Okay, that was just part part of the storyline they were going for there. Well, still, well told story. Mm hmm. All right, so yeah, I, I agree. It was a really good tag team match. I really like the one of the announcers brought up how the Briscoes, yeah, they're brothers, but they kind of wrestle separately. Kazarian and Daniels wrestle as a team with tag team maneuvers. Yeah, yeah. D doesn't um, Mark Briscoe have more have like his um, what is it, the redneck kung fu? Um, yeah, that's Mark. Jay is more of like a Smash Mouth style. And like Mark, I think he goes more. Uh, he does Mark more top more, rope stuff. More high flying, yeah. yeah. Whereas Jay, he'll just he's more of a brawler, and he'll yeah. and he'll beat you up on the mat. So, so, 
So this match ended with two J-Drillers, one on the outside and then one on the inside. Which, again, adds to the story being told of, like, Daniel's just taking punishment after punishment after punishment, still kicking out, but eventually it's just too much for him. And one, two, three, and still. Yep, so now we move on to the ROH Women of Honor Championship match, which the announcers brought out that this was the very first time that on a pay-per-view that the Women of Honor's title has been on the line. As Tanel Dashwood takes on the champion, Sumi Sakura. Sumi Sakai. Sakai, sorry. Yeah, yes. Uh, so we kind of touched on it a little bit uh, earlier with our Ring of Honor news, but um, yeah, it, the match was affected by Tennille Dashwood's um, health issues. Mm -hmm. um, like obviously the shoulder was compromising certain spots, uh, but also I don't know. Uh, like we know Sumi speaks a little bit of English. I don't know how much English she actually speaks, but I, I know for a fact that when wrestlers speak different languages from one another, it can make, coordinating the spots a, a little challenging and it just felt like there were times where both of these women were like maybe one notch ahead or behind the other mm -hmm. uh, in, in terms of making sure everything was like working like clockwork uh mm -hmm. so but the that that said the match itself was good in that they were able to recover very mm -hmm. well uh the, the they had good strikes uh great submission attempts uh, it added to the story being told in the ring of like, hey, I want the belt versus I want the belt. Uh, so we're going to kill each other for it. Yeah. Props to uh, uh, to Neil for taking that arm bar on, on her injured shoulder, by the way. And yeah, that that's... Um, I'm never sure how I feel about finishes in which someone passes out from the pain of a submission when it, it when it's a, like a joint manipulation submission. Uh, I, mean, I don't mind it because it, it's not used that often in Ring of Honor. It was kind of a special occasion. True, true. And I mean, it, especially with, with her shoulder being taped up like it is, you could kind of understand why. And it was the exact same shoulder that she had the armbar applied to as well. I'm just trying to think in my head because I come from the MMA background. So it's like something has to, there has to be a little bit of logic uh, to me when I see a submission and I, and I'm just like, has anyone ever passed out because an arm bar was so painful and they didn't want to tap out? Uh, has anyone ever done that with a leg lock? Um, and my, I, I instantly think, no, the only time people pass out is when you go for the neck, when you cut off their oxygen or their blood supply. Uh, and well, technically Austin passed out to a sharpshooter. And I questioned that submission as well, because like what was doing to, uh, uh, like granted a submission can be painful on the joints, but I really doubt you're going to ever pass out from the pain. Like unle unless it's like medieval times and they're just uh, stretching you to death on the torture rack. Uh, like, and even then, it'll take a long-ass time for you to pass out from that kind of pain. So I mean, just, and then again, it's wrestling. You know, you got to kind of suspend your disbelief a, a little bit. 
I know, I know, but it's just like I've, I feel like that's one of those times where they're asking me to suspend my disbelief a little too much. That's just me. I'm not a fan of passing out from from limb related submissions. Uh, I, I, if it's an oxygen or blood related submission, then by all means go to sleep. But uh, yeah. for for like for like leg locks, arm locks, sharpshooters, it doesn't make as much sense to me. All right, so let's move on. Was next the world TV title match? Yes, it was. So it's uh, the champion, Punishment Martinez, taking on Chris Saban. And I guess Alex Shelley is retired now? Yeah, Alex Shelley is apparently – he's run out of stuff that he wants to do in wrestling, so I think he's, I think he's making a move to nursing school. Oh, awesome. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, uh, Alex Shelley. Thank you, Alex Shelley. We wish you well in your future endeavors, and we don't mean that like John Laurinaitis. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But, yes, so Chris Saban, we know from his TNA days that he can pass off as a singles competitor. He was the X Division champion. I think he he broke uh, Jay Lethal's record for most reigns as X Division champion. He was TNA uh, world champion. Yes, as a result of the uh, second year of Option C uh, existing. Thank you, Austin Aries. (laughs) <laughs> and um, so we know for a fact that Saban, if you need something to do for him, if you need something for him to do in singles, he can do it. Mm-hmm. And the um, so if this was any other competitor, I feel like it, 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 he, I feel like it would have been a more even matchup. But the fact of the matter is, it was Punishment Martinez who is this behemoth of a man who can do so many uh, acrobatic things. Like he, mm-hmm. like his, his. Um flip over the rope and then landing on his feet. That's impressive as hell for a big man. Yeah. Especially considering like we've seen big men do certain aerial things before and just the, uh, like big cast. He tweaked his knee on like uh, something simple undertaker. We know how much his knees have been through over the years. So like to see someone of punishment, Martinez, size six, six, just like doing parkour, like it's nothing mm-hmm. uh, and not, and- like, injuring himself it, it's amazing like he his he, he must drink a lot of milk otherwise oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. otherwise otherwise he uh, something would have snapped super easily like i still remember because i believe i was at was i at the event or not i can't remember for certain but tk orion uh when he snapped his leg off of that Ooh. guardrail uh th- that was bad yeah that was brutal and uh tk orion i i think he's a tall guy uh at the very least he's he- six two yeah, about six two, six three. So, and his leg snapped against that guardrail. So, for someone like Punishment Martinez, who's that much bigger, that much taller, that much heavier, to mm-hmm. to, to to land such acrobatics like that with ease and precision, yeah, uh, it, like, it, it's astounding. His his high flying ability. It's not just he can do high fly things. He makes it look so smooth. Like he does the trouble in paradise, and he yeah. arguably does it a little bit better than Kofi Kingston does. Now, granted, it takes <laughs> him a little takes him a little longer to get the spin, but that's because he's so damn tall. There's so much of him to move around, uh, yeah. uh, and he still manages to make it look good. Yep. But the one thing I love on this match is the storytelling of Saban going after Martinez's knees and legs, trying to chop down the big man. At the end of the day, it doesn't work. Eh, 
True, true. Uh, I mean, like when you when your opponent is a big man, obviously you're going to want to go for where does most of his leverage come from? Uh, obviously, it's the legs. That's how he moves around. That's how he's able to twist his hips and get power in those strikes, get the leverage he needs in those submissions and those takedowns and, and holds. And, you know, Saban tried to play the smart game, and it just did not work because there's because Punishment Martinez is a beast. He, he has good recovery, and he was just – Yes, he, that's basically what he's been built to be is an inhuman. He he is near unstoppable. And, you know, Saban, to his credit, he, he was also billed as the guy who would bounce back from whatever punishment you threw at him. So it was like we have this guy who can keep taking punishment versus the guy who can keep dishing out punishment, who's also named punishment. And, and it just it, – it worked for – it, it gave us a great match. Mm -hmm. So the match ends with uh, Punishment Martinez hitting that sit out. Is it a sit out choke slam? Um, I'll have to go back and check, but yeah, it's it's something along those lines. Like he does a choke slam and then sits down with it at the exact same time instead of just letting you fall. Yeah, I th I think that's the move. I think that's the move. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. I believe next is the table. The well, actually, 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 we have before that, Jeff Cobb came out. Ah, oh, that's right. Yep. And then he did what Jeff Cobb does, which is no sell, and with, with the biggest smirk on his face ever, of like, "Really, bitch, really." And <laughs> yeah, so he he lays punishment Martinez out, holds the television title over his shoulder, and when then. And then, uh, yes, that was a tease for what was eventually going to happen on TV later on. And then he just, like, he heads backstage and we move on to the next match. So next is the tag team tables match, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. That would be uh, Flip Gordon and Boom Boom, Cabana taking on Bully Ray and Silas Young. So, yeah, like, I'm... <laughs> what Silas Young for being hailed as the last real man. Why is he essentially like the girlfriend in the, in the abusive relationship who refuses to leave uh, in this case? Yeah, I saw that. that that's, that, that's, that's basically what it feels like to me is like Silas Young went from this guy who would bully people around to now he has his own bully and he's essentially been reined in uh, and see, I kind of would have preferred it to be this way. Like, after the match, Bully goes to attack Flip Gordon again, and then Silas Young turns around and beats him down, kind of getting his heat back and then kind of having a semi-face turn. Because people want to cheer Silas. Because he's a unique guy. And mm -hmm. tell me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he did – Attack Bully at one point, correct? But that was kind of because Bully attacked him first. Okay, so retaliation. Yeah, um, so I'm talking about like he sees Bully like hidden, uh, flip with the chain, and then he comes in and beats Bully down and runs him off. Uh, so getting to the actual details of the match and not... I like, hate this ending, by the way. Yeah, um... So 
Colt Cabana was the first to go through a table, correct? Yeah. All right. On the outside, yeah. He, he goes through a table on the outside. I think it was Bully who just like power bombs him through. And the commentators, whose names we can't remember, they're like showing genuine concern because Colt Cabana, he occasionally joins them on the broadcast table. Mm -hmm. So uh, like Bully is jaw jacking them. We see a we we see a, a a camera angle of the commentary guys, and Bully Ray is just behind them, yelling at them as, as they're turned around. Uh, like, and um, the guy with the glasses, whose names we can't remember, he goes on to actually check on. He goes to check on Colt, and Bully is jaw jacking him even more. Looks like he's gonna be in for a serious beating, and then Flip Gordon comes in for the save. And then uh, at some point in that, we get um, the um, altercation with Bully Ray and Silas. And yeah, so did, did Silas go through a table after? Uh, oh, no, wait, Bully went through a table yeah. next. Yeah, Bully was next to go through a table. Um, I got it. It's uh, Ian. Ian Rigaboni. Uh, okay. And Caprice Coleman. All right. I thought it was Devin or Tevin. I don't know why. Uh, I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah. Here. Pick up where I'm leaving off here. So pretty much after uh, Colt goes to the table, then uh, Flip puts – sorry, Bully Ray goes to Spear or do something in the corner to Flip Gordon. Gordon moves out of the way. Bully slams to the table. Bully's out. Then Flip is fighting back. He puts Silas Young on the table, does a 450 splash, the referee is down, does not see it. Bully takes Flip and uh, Silas off, pulls um, pulls Flip in the table. So when the referee gets up, it looks like Flip went to the table. He rings the bell, and Bully and Silas win, which I absolutely hate this ending. And then they continue beating up on Flip Gordon, right? Yep. So, well, technically, um, Bully Ray continues beating up on Flip. Silas just gets the hell out of there. So, yeah, and we, we mentioned what the TV taping schedule was, and apparently they, they're still keeping Bully and Silas together for a little bit. So, so uh, thoughts on the, this tables match ending? I'm kind of with you. Uh, I wasn't very fond of it because I'm like, God damn it, another – story with the with the refs being so fragile that they're asleep which that was a big thing in this car was like a lot of ref bumps i noticed yeah yeah i mean there was at least three or four on the whole car i'm one or two was fine but yeah. I, this uh this event it felt like it overdid it a little yeah i'll agree so let's move on to, I believe next is the 10-man tag match, correct? Uh, yeah, let me read through the names. We have the Bullet Club Elite taking on Chaos. The Bullet Club Elite members were Cody, Marty Skrull, Adam Page, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson with Brandy Rose at ringside. And mm -hmm. Chaos, they had Kazushka Okada, Chucky e. T, Beretta, Rocky Romero, and Tomohiro Ishii. And yeah. um, I would probably say that the stars of this match were um, Marty Skrull, Adam Page, um, Rocky Romero, and Tomohiro Ishii. Like, 
Oh yeah. Uh, Ishii, I loved every moment where he did, where he pretty much no sold the, uh, <laughs> the the offense to his head. He's one of my favorite stars in Japan. Oh, with 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 good reason. The the dude puts in good work, and he has a fully fleshed out character. Like he is the stone. The dude is like has like a indestructible head. Yeah, that that's basically what he is. Is like I, I think there was a fighter a long time ago who who his name was Cabbage Carrera, and he he was basically just known for having this head that could absorb punishment and keep moving forward. Now, granted, he didn't win a lot, and I'm pretty sure he has tons of brain damage now. But uh, like Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii, like the dude's character is great. So like, oh, hit me in the head. Nope, didn't feel that. Try again. Come on. Nope, di- nope, didn't feel that. Try again. Nope, then, didn't feel that either. Just he boom. comes in with one that like drops the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it, it's perfect. It's like you're fighting a brick wall with arms. Him and Goto together in the ring in the G1 climax was the funniest shit ever. They would just keep hitting each other, and like none of them would fall. Would oh, I, I love that match. I love that match going. so much. I, I love that match so much. I think they put that as the main event for that night, didn't they? And yes, and it should have been because that was like thirty minutes of just them just forearming the hell out of each other. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and um, Rocky Romero. Like anytime I get to see him in the ring, it's just he's a treat. Awesome. Like uh, he's basically the Energizer Bunny. Like he'll, he'll like give him some coffee and he'll run around the ring for like as many times as you need he him. He doesn't need coffee. He's naturally just that energetic. Damn right. And there, there are probably a lot of people with nine to five jobs who are just jealous of that man's stamina. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the actual story of this match, uh, and they hyped this a lot on the commentary table with, with Nick Aldis uh, on commentary, by the way, mm-hmm. who, was basically there to say Cody sucks, uh, and uh, he got lucky. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But the story was that the Bullet Club elite were having a little trouble um, staying on focus. I thought it was just the environment of a ten man tag be, uh, being so chaotic that it was hard to like make sure ah, everything ah, chaotic. Well, uh, I I didn't even mean to do that. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah Something yeah. Chaos, Nico. Pretty much, pretty much. I'll, I'll give you this joke, uh, but yet the environment was so mm-hmm. crazy, crazy that it, it was just hard to make sure all the Bullet Club members could stay on one page. Um, and no, I'm not going to make a Hangman <laughs> Page joke either. Um, but yeah, there there were tons of moments where the Young Bucks would go to super kick someone from Chaos. And they'd hit one of their own, yeah. and it, it kind of it made the match longer. It, it made the match more exciting. It made you think, "Oh, Chaos might actually win this." Uh, uh, which, granted, uh, they, uh, Chaos has a lot of great guys, but they're not the Bullet Club. No. Uh, and in Ring of Honor, Bullet Club is basically this is their home. Um, so, I love the finish of this match, which was. Uh, I think Rocky Romero was going for a suplex on Marty Skrull. Skrull reverses it right into a crossface chicken wing. Mm-hmm. He, he gets the hands locked, and um, Romero taps. And it was just like I did not expect that finish at all. I didn't uh, but, but it was it, it was so worth it because like it, it, from the sound of the commentary, it's like 
Marty Skrull is getting a big push towards that Ring of Honor World Championship. He Wait, is my- holy shit. Jay Lethal versus Marty Skrull for the title. Well, might be a while before that happens because we'll get to the what happened in the main event later on. My dog is barking. You pick up from here. You're 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 a tiny dog. No one is afraid of you. <laughs> but I want to give props to somebody who I haven't when this character started, I wasn't a big fan of it. But he is really turning around, and that's Hangman Page. The dude just gets it. He gets his character. He gets what he's supposed to do. He can hit the comedy beats. He can hit, you know, he can hit fucking hard. That's what he can do. But just everything about this guy screams championship material, and I can't wait for him to be champion. Oh, yeah, and the big reason why he kind of fell under the radar for when he was coming up was because Adam Cole was still with Ring of Honor at the time. So it was Mm -hmm. like Hangman Page was basically the new kid on the block. And he was the second he did, Adam. Yeah, there was yeah, he was the second Adam. Like if it was if he worked at Walt cult if he worked at what culture, he'd have been like the fifteenth Adam because they <laughs> they hire so many goddamn guys named Adam there. I don't know why uh, or how that is possible. Um but yeah, there was just there was just no room for him to break out with the guys that were running the stable. And now since um since the undisputed era has made their presence known in NXT that left an opening for Adam page, uh, to become somebody in ring of honor with the bullet club elite. And he has Mm -hmm. certainly done that. Like this was his first year in the G one climax and he delivered, uh, he, he's been making great waves on being the elite is so fucking entertaining. Yeah. Like he basically murdered Joey Ryan and no, he did. He didn't. He killed Joey Ryan. That wasn't Joey Ryan at, at all, and that was an imposter. Well, either way, he now has a funny story to tell his kids, which is that he was... Imagine, imagine his kids is watching the Penis Druids. They're like, Daddy? Daddy what is that? What, what, why? What? What were you doing? Why are you being dragged out by a bunch of peepees? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're never going to get monetized as a podcast. We are not. All right, so let's move on before we do it. more crazy shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, um, two more things. Um, so, obviously, uh, Nick Aldis mentions the two out of three falls match. And Cody says, I accept. This is my house. This, this is my belt. I'm the dealer now. You no longer are. Uh, and then we get that... Um, we see Tennille Dashwood get jumped from behind. Well, we don't see her get jumped from behind, but we see the aftermath of that, which sets up eventually. Who do you think did it? Um, and that is a good question. We probably – I don't even think Ring of Honor has any idea of who they want to be the attacker yet. I think they're going to save that for once. Uh, Mandy Leron? Well, I think they're – they're wondering like how long is she going to be out for? And mm-hmm. if like, what, what are the chances that we make someone the attacker and then they're signed to a different company by the time Tennille gets back. So like, yeah. uh, is there any point in saying who attacked her uh, yet? Or should we just wait for her to come back from injury? I think that's what they're doing is they're biding their time waiting to see if there, there is a payoff to be made from this. So kind of like what they're doing with, um, Alistair Black in NXT when he was injured. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's move on to the main event, which this was a very good match. The oh, yeah. ROH World Championship is on the line. It's Jay Lethal, the champion, defends his championship against the aerial assassin, Will Ospreay. So, again, set the backstory. Jay Lethal, he he did not want to be in the title picture until he was until he had avenged all of his losses since his last title reign had ended, and he did exactly that. And he calls out Dalton Castle uh, to a match on a Ring of Honor t- uh, uh, TV taping. Cody and Matt Taven also get thrown into that match. Uh, Dalton Castle was dealing with some injuries, so it was the perfect time for a new champion to be crowned. Uh, and Jay Lethal, he gets the title. Since then, he has had tons and tons of defenses, um, and he's been basically accepting all comers. In this case, for Death Before Dishonor, he issued an open challenge. Who accepted it? Will Ospreay, who had not been in Ring of Honor for over a year, and the reason why is because he was so disheartened from a loss to Jay Lethal. Uh, and like Jay Lethal basically chased him out of town. And he's been... Since then, Will Ospreay has spent a great, uh, a great amount of time building up his body, building up his repertoire, becoming the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. He, look, he looks bigger. Oh, he definitely, definitely. Like, and we we've seen his work in Defiant Wrestling, uh, where he was a tag team champion. Uh, I can't remember if he's won anything else since then uh, in that promotion, at least. But uh, he he. Um, He's also, in his first night, he's known for having won the television title in uh, Ring of Honor. So he, uh, just a lot of accolades, but the one thing that he wasn't able to do was beat Jay Lethal. And mm-hmm. so he's like, I'm going to go away for a little bit. I'm going to come back at some point, and I'm going to beat you for that title. And he came back much bigger, as you mentioned before, like physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, physically, he had widened out. Still able to do his offense, but he had a lot more weight and a lot more power. But yeah, I'm like this close to burping right now. Excuse me. <laughs> um, uh, like, and not only with that extra muscle came more power, it also came more stamina because there were a lot of chops in this match. And, oh yeah, there were. At yeah, one point, at one point, uh, Osprey put his hands behind his back and said, "Go." Not only behind his back, but behind the ring ropes too. Like he, he was like, "Ah, just give me your best." And and yeah. as they brought up on, on, on commentary, I believe it was Chris Coleman. Lethal's hands are meaty too, so when he chops you, you feel that. He does have some pretty meaty hands. I, I, yeah, yeah. So, so you, those hurt worse than normal chops. Oh yeah, like I, I've got skin and bone hands, so. That that wouldn't do, I I wouldn't be able to do much. That that's why I always like when they go for the forearms and the elbows instead, or when <laughs> they go for the overhand chop because then you can get some momentum from going up and down. Yeah, but yeah, Lethal knows how to get some good power and some good sound out of those sideways chops. And you know, Will Osprey was eating them and then delivering some of his own, and you could hear it. You you could hear those chops, and they were like, "Whoo, boy." You could uh, hear the crowd like gasping at every single chop that was being given out. 
Oh yeah. And then, so like a lot of head games here too, because mm -hmm. like I can take your best shot. Can you take mine and vice versa? And so like, there's a lot of stare downs in between those chop fights. And then at one point, Will Ospreay was just like, you know, fuck this slap, slaps him right in the face and then goes for punch, punch, and then push kicks him out of the ring and then goes for a suicide dive in which Jay Lethal bangs his head off of the ring, uh, not the ring, but the, um, the guardrail, the guard. And um, so the fight goes to the outside and um, both guys at one point go under the ring to try and, get some space so they can catch their breath uh, and uh, get some offense back, which they do. The, uh, a lot of counters in, in terms of like who's getting more momentum uh, in, in these fights on the ground. And yeah. uh, at one point they, um, they get close to the table where the belt is and um, where I think whoever that guy in the suit is, uh, you might know uh, his name. Bobby. Bobby, uh, uh, Bobby Cruz, Bobby, Bobby Cruz. Cruz. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and he, he gets super kicked. Yeah. He gets super kicked to high hell and the belt go, uh, which he was holding goes flying into the air. Will Ospreay catches it. And, you know, Will Ospreay is holding the belt while the ref is checking on Bobby Cruz and Jay lethal is just like standing behind him. And we get sort of a peak of, um, Something I haven't seen since like Neville versus Sami Zayn. Yeah, that's what I was, this is to bring up where Neville's like, do it. Yeah, and, and so like Osprey is like, he's really thinking, should I hit him with the belt? Should I hit him with the belt? Should I hit him with the belt? And Jay Lethal is saying, Jay, Jay Lethal is saying, if that's what you have to do to beat me, then so be it. I'm right here. Come hit me. And instead, um, Osprey just tosses the belt into the ring and he goes back on the offense and. I'll let you pick up the conversation from here. Well, I don't know what happens right after this. I was kind of distracted at this moment. But the end of the match happens where Lethal attempts. Is it a powerbomb from the top rope? Uh, Osprey hits a hurricane runner from the top rope. Lethal then hits a powerbomb from the top rope into a lethal injection for the victory. Right? Uh, see, I recall Osprey getting a power bomb. Uh, was it Osprey who hit the power bomb? Yeah, Osprey I think hit the power bomb on Lethal, and then it's just a race to see who can hit their finisher first. Uh, Which hold on, um, I do remember one move. Osprey attempts to go for the um, what's he call it? The Oscar. Oh, the Oscutter. Yeah, the Oscutter. And then Lethal just whams him in the face with a super kick to the back of the head. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so pretty much either actually, way. Actually, actually, you might be mixing that up, too, because like uh, Lethal at one point went for the lethal injection, and Osprey goes for um, um, a, a super kick uh, in which he hooks the foot over. That was uh, – that was a, a side a sidekick to the face he hit lethal with. But at the same time, Oz or um Osprey attempted an Oz cutter and then got hit in the back of the head with a super kick. Either way, one of these guys hit a ver variation of the cutter uh, and uh, lethal <laughs> got uh, and both of them kicked out at one point and then lethal goes for it again. He gets it one, two, three. Lethal with retains. Chris Coleman 
brings up something funny. He was like, the one thing I hate is when Jay Lethal has to scream lethal injection because that wakes up the guy from their stun state. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, and that, that's, and I think that's why people hail the RKO as one of the best cutters around is because like when you when we say RKO out of nowhere, it legit is out of nowhere. Like Randy Orton doesn't well, with the exception of when he bangs on the mat, uh, yeah. he, he usually never hits it from there and ends up having to just hit it from elsewhere. He, uh, so in that case, he never really telegraphs it. Mm -hmm. The move just comes like, boom, out of nowhere, as, as it says in the name. And uh, you're like, holy shit, he got it. <laughs> uh, so, whereas with the Oz cutter and the lethal injection, there's some running towards the ropes required. So there, there's not a lot of surprise. Uh, it, Mm -hmm. And it's just like, okay, are they going to move out of the way? Are they going to move out of the way? Um, so that, that, that's the one reason why I hail the RKO as one of the best cutters. Although I will say that a Tomatonga's cutter uh, is brilliant. Oh, uh, the stun gun? Yeah, the stun gun. No, no uh, the gun stun, sorry. Whatever, the, the gun stun. I, I love it. I, I, I think it's one of the best cutters uh, around. The stun so. gun was Austin's own finisher. <laughs> Good lord, there's so many names. Um, yep. but, but yeah, okay, so Lethal wins the match. They're both laying down for a while, trying to catch their breath. Uh, Osprey gets up. He's like, he, got, <laughs> he motions. I was that close. He was. That, that close. And so they shake hands. And uh, Osprey, yeah, that. Uh, Yes, yeah, surprise, motherfucker. Uh, as Osprey leaves the ring and, and Lethal is still celebrating, he gets jumped by um, TKO Ryan and I always forget this other guy's name. Matt Taven. No, not Matt Taven, the third guy in the kingdom. Oh, it's, uh, it's TKO Riley. I, I said TKO Ryan. TKO Ryan. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Crazy haired dude. Yeah, it's um Vinny Marciella. Uh Vinny Marcello. Yeah. So they come out, they jump uh lethal. The commentary team says, Where is uh Matt Taven's not here, he's in Mexico. Uh apparently that was a lie. But yeah, lethal definitely Oh for crying out loud. Uh M muted alpha. Okay, yeah, you finish. But, um, so the Kingdom come out, attack Jay Lethal, leave him pretty much knocked out for the night. Then, uh, Matt Taven has the, um, has a bag. He opens up the bag, and it's a, the Ring of Honor world title, but it has a purple, um, it's pretty much a, a purple belt design, with the Ring of Honor title, he says, I am the true Ring of Honor world champion, fade to black. So this sets up a potential match with Jay Lethal taking on Matt Taven. Uh, and if that happens, I would really like to see Matt Taven with the title. I think he is really impressing me. And as the leader of the kingdom, you know, he is really shown that he can go on his own and win singles gold. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Taven was, uh, 
not only Lethal's next title challenger, but also potentially the next champion uh, of Ring of Honor. Like, again, he has the custom title. All he has to do now is win it officially. And, yep. you know, as, as I also said, Matt Taven, he's been the workhorse of Ring of Honor for the past year or so. So if anyone is perfect to take the title off of Lethal, it is Matt Taven. And so then Taven versus Marty Skrull, you, you, uh, if Marty Skrull ever gets close to the title, you, you could have some fun right there. Uh, the main thing I didn't like about this ending was Matt Taven's new haircut. Like, yeah, it, was, it looked weird. Like he, he looks like someone put BT gun in, in, a, in a wash for too long and he shrunk. <laughs> oh my God. That's true though. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't like the very short mohawk. Uh, uh, yeah, like it doesn't weird, work. Yeah, that was a really weird look. So overall, give your rating for um, Death for Dishonor 2018 using our letter system. Using our letter system, uh, I'm going to give it a B plus, and the reason why I'm giving it a, a grade that some might consider low is because there were a lot of times where I felt like the crowd was not totally invested in what was going on. So for, for me, that affected my watching of, of the actual pay-per-view. And I'm just like, is, this, is it just me or is the crowd asleep here? Uh, I think the crowd got exhausted after the first three or four matches. Like, like the crowd seemed exhausted during the first match. Like uh, during the... Really? It, to me, at least, when, when we were in... Uh, when when Kenny King and um, Liger was going on, it to me it felt like the crowd wasn't totally into it, which was interesting because Kenny King is a Las Vegas native. So yeah, yeah I'm just like they're not popping for their hometown dude. So it, it it was it was weird to me. So yeah, that's why I'm giving it a B plus. A couple botches here and there that can be ignored, but the crowd just was not into it. If you ask yeah. me. So as someone who can take the crowd the crowd reaction out of it and just focus on the wrestling, I'm giving it a A minus. You know what? No, no. I'll give it A plus. I think this was one of the best shows that we've reviewed so far. All of the matches were great. Even the women's match I thought was really good. No, I, I didn't see any botches, but um, go ahead. Uh, uh, but the the botches I was referring to were in the women's match, and again, there's reason for them. It's because one of the wrestlers in that match was compromised, uh, and it's like the something just something just felt like it. You know, I wasn't able to keep my attention fully on what was going on. Uh, that said, the it was a good show, but it's just like didn't really grab me a whole lot. Yeah, but I'm looking at it by, like, in-ring standard, and there was no matches that I was like, oh, my God, get over with, or, you know, I could see noble botches here or there or stuff like that. Like, everything I saw on this card was either good to great, especially that main event was really, really, really good. That 10-man tag was epically good. Like, you just have great matches all around on this card. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm I'm just saying like something for for me was was lessening my enjoyment or at least uh, ma uh 
preventing me from paying as much attention as I, I could have been. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get on to plugs real quick. Nico, please don't be 10 hours long with your plugs. Uh, we're already 10 hours long with this podcast. Um, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Nico Suarez-Rigoli. Um, Multiplex Entertainment, name of the Facebook group, YouTube channel. Twitter is at MultiplexYT. Instagram is Multiplex Entertainment Network. T Public is just Multiplex. Uh, Sundays we have Around the League with Nico, which is a show I host at the most random times of the day. Mondays are Movie War Zone. Um, Tuesdays are TV Throwdown, both regular and fandom. Um, Wednesday is Sports Battlefield and also Fantasy Football. Um, Thursdays we have nothing. Friday is Fandom Fight. Uh, Saturday is Nerdgasm and. I know Caleb was trying a whole bunch of other shows. And of course you can find me here uh, at the week of wrestling podcast with you, sir. Yep. Every Saturday. Um, and as you point out, the week of wrestling podcast is every Saturday. We talk about everything, of course, in the news of wrestling, go over and check out my YouTube channel, film nerd TV, where I do a whole bunch of nerd related content, movie reviews, whatever over there. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for joining us tonight and we'll see you guys soon. Peace.